0: Democrats are shocked and also appalled that Republicans will not accept Joe Biden's defeat of the illegitimate president who illegally cheated Hillary Clinton out of a rightful victory by his conspiracy with Vladimir Putin to put an ad on Facebook. The Democrats are demanding that the racist fascist, sexist, homophobic, stinkpot, dung-faced Republicans embrace the new spirit of unity that has arisen since Biden toppled the filthy Hitlerian dictator foisted on America by deplorable traitors whose names should be recorded to ensure they're never able to show their faces in public. In that same spirit of goodwill, the Democrats are now seeking to allay Republican suspicions of electoral fraud with a sweeping program of reforms that will guarantee no one ever questions their victories ever again. Since we have a glorious federal system where each individual state is free to choose its own way of doing whatever Democrats tell them to do, the new reforms will be applied locally until the entire voting process is so transparent you can't even see it taking place. For instance, One suggested reform in Chicago is that local gang members be enlisted to keep order at polling places by driving by them at intervals and in a helpful, polite way, spraying them with gunfire. Anyone who survives will then be able to freely cast their vote in whatever way the gang members tell them to. In Philadelphia, the voters will place their vote in an adorable receptacle shaped like a Minuteman, and when the Minuteman is filled, it'll be demolished and used for landfill while votes are counted in a secret location with tinfoil taped over the windows. In Detroit, voters will be bused to voting places, with Democrats boarding a bus marked with a D and Republicans boarding a bus marked with a sign saying, Next Stop, Tallahassee. With these and other reforms, Democrats hope to remove any doubts Republicans might have, and those doubts that remain are sure to be removed once they are put on Twitter. Trigger warning, I'm Andrew Clavin, and this is The Andrew Clavin Show. I the hunky-dunky, life is tickety-boo. Birds are ringing, also singing, hunky dunky Shape tipsy topsy, the world is a biddy's It's a wonderful day. Hoorah hooray! It makes me want to sing. Oh, hurrah, hooray, hooray! Oh, hooray, hurrah! The vast right-wing conspiracy known as Clavenon! continues right before your very eyes. We're not even trying to hide it. We're just right out there conspiring. In fact, if you want to see us conspire more, you can go on YouTube and subscribe to the Andrew Claven channel. A lot of people are complaining that YouTube was shut down yesterday. That's because they're just trying to stop the Andrew Clavin channel from growing at the exponential rate it would be growing if you would just go on there and subscribe. <laughs> and hit the, the, the bell, the little bell, and we'll deliver fresh content, sometimes original content, to your door uh we will send our our factotums to come to your house uh they will you'll want to check the silverware after they leave but you will have the new content also leave a comment. And if the comment is sufficiently ignorant and uh, bigoted, we will include it as just an indistinguishable part of our commentary. Today, we have from Chris Ritchie. (laughs) I asked the question, aren't we supposed to consult a doctor if an election lasts this long? (laughs) I think, Chris, I think that one goes in the Hall of Fame. We should have, we should have a plaque. We had one or two of them that really deserve to go on there. That was a really good question. All right. The other day I gave an interview uh, to a lady from World Magazine, lovely lady, uh, just absolutely charming. And that's a Christian outlet if you've never heard of it. Uh, The subject was new media uh, and what we're calling the replacement media. And I was talking with her about the fact that I didn't mind, as I've said to you before, openly leftist media like MSNBC, and that I could respect an honest leftist like Rachel Maddow. I actually think she's a person of integrity, even though I disagree with every word she says and probably every thought that goes through her mind. And I compared that with the New York Times, which pretends to be objective when it's really leftist tripe. And after I hung up the phone with her, I thought, that's not what quite what I meant. That's not quite what at the heart of what bothers me. The problem is not dishonesty, exactly. The problem is stolen authority. The New York Times was once a great newspaper. It really was. It was liberal, but it built, it built its reputation on thoroughness and fairness. And it's now a leftist rag, but it's using the authority that it gained when it was something better to sell its trash leftism. The 1619 Project is a kooky American-hating pamphlet material that should be handed out on street corners by Looney Tune nobodies like Nicole Hannah-Jones. Instead, Hannah-Jones and the paper are taken seriously because the Times is wearing the mask of authority created by an older, better generation of Times editors. This is true of CBS, ABC, NBC, and The Washington Post, outlets that would once have covered the fact Joe Biden apparently meant to profit by doing business with the Chinese communists with the same fervor they covered Trump's, say, potential violation of the Emoluments Clause. They are now cheapjack propagandists living off the authority of their past incarnations. The same is true in the academy. It's true of Yale University. It's not a great university anymore. It's using the authority it gained from the days of its greatness to peddle leftist garbage to innocent young people who gain the credentials certified by a past generation of Yaleys for learning their tripe. They're being sold by the present generation. Even Twitter and Facebook didn't start out as leftist vehicles. They were great ideas for helping us communicate. It was only once they had a virtual monopoly on online communication that they stole the authority of their success and usefulness to spread lies and suppress the truth, as they're doing now. I've made this comparison before, but it stands repeating. Leftism is like the alien in Men in Black who eats out a man's interior then wears the man's hollowed-out body as a disguise. The heroes destroy that creature eventually, and let's hope that's a spoiler alert for the future of once respectable institutions eaten out and being used as a disguise by leftism. So, whenever you're going out or on the go, one of the things you always want to have with you is your teeth. And you want your teeth to look as good as possible, and that means using an electric toothbrush, and that's why you want Quip. Quip is the electric toothbrush you hear about all the time because it's sleek. It's got reusable floss pick that you can use, uh, and it's just its just the kind of thing you can take with you easily. It's not, It doesn't look like a bazooka like a lot of electric uh, toothbrushes do. Uh, you can pair your floss with this electric toothbrush. Uh, this works for adults and kids. Quip has the simple guiding features you need. It's got these timed sonic vibrations with guiding pulses that help you brush better. I love that, personally. It helps me to brush longer, uh, which is, has been really good for me. Uh, Quip smart electric toothbrushes connect to the free Quip app so you can earn amazing rewards as you track and coach better oral health habits two minutes twice a day. This is good for kids as well. If you go to getquip.com slash clavin right now, you'll get your first refill free. That's your first refill free at getquip.com slash clavin spelled G-E-T-Q-U-I-P dot com slash clavin. Quip is for better oral health and it makes it simple. And I know you're I know you're thinking that who writes this copy? They tell you how to spell get quip. Anyone can spell get quip, but how? Oh how? Please tell me how. Do you spell Claven? It's K-L-A-V-A-N. No E's in Claven I just make it look this incredibly easy. So You know, I did an all access uh, last night and that's, that is one of the, my favorite things that I do. I love doing all access. That's where all access level subscribers can come on and ask questions directly. And we have, you know, pretty much a conversation. They're writing in the questions, but at least I I get to hear what people are thinking and what they're worried about, which I really appreciate because I get sick of the sound of my own voice. I actually like hearing from you. That's why I like the mailbag uh, so much. And I, you know, I don't like to. I, I know we at The Daily Wire, we push for subscriptions a lot and we have to because that's the way we uh, not just make a living, but it's the way we indemnify ourselves from pressure from the left. So it's important that you guys subscribe and support us. Then they can't touch us because we're uh, dealing directly with you. But I, I the all access has grown exponentially since uh, our daily our uh election day coverage that brought in a lot of new subscribers and that's bringing in a lot of new voices, which I love. And one of the things to get to the point, one of the things that I'm hearing, uh, is that a lot of people uh, are depressed. They're depressed by the results of the election. And, uh, you know, I gotta be honest, I don't blame them. Uh, this is our new president. This is cut 11. <laughs> and this is, and this is even worse. Our vice president cut 10. Before the sun sets on her 16th birthday, she shall prick her finger on the spindle of a spinning wheel and die. So we're dealing with Sleepy and Maleficent. We've got two, <laughs> two Disney characters are going to be entering the White House if things go as they seem to be going. Uh, so we've got President Sleepy and Vice President Maleficent. We don't even know how long that arrangement is going to last. And I was thinking about, you know, I, I, obviously I don't blame anybody for being depressed about that. I was thinking back uh, to the 1976 uh, presidential campaign. Uh, Gerald Ford was had been a, basically appointed to the office of the presidency. He got the office of the vice president after Spiro Agnew was chased out of his, uh, of his office. And then Nixon resigned and Ford became president. And Ford was a good guy. He wasn't a bad guy. He was just that typical face of the Republican Party, this kind of conformist down the middle, uh, go along to get along, face of the Republican Party. He was not the kind of conservative that people were crying out for after years of, uh, of um, you know, uh, after feeling that basically we'd been robbed of a president, I guess I should say. And he lost in a very tough nomination fight. He beat Ronald Reagan and Ronald Reagan lost. And so that and and at that point, people had abandoned Gerald Ford because he had pardoned Richard Nixon. And it was a tough defeat. You know, I mean, Ronald Reagan was kind of the hope of conservatives, uh, just like Trump was the hope of conservatives here. And Reagan uh, went off with his campaign staff and he said to them, we lost. uh, But the cause goes on and he quoted an old Scottish ballad, which I never forgot uh, after that moment. I wasn't even a Reagan supporter at the time, but uh, I remember uh, he quoted a, a a Scottish ballad that where a guy is wounded and he says to his men, fight on my men. I am wounded, but not slain. I'll lay me down and bleed a while and then I'll rise and fight again. And he said, you know, even after the Democrats win, he said, don't worry, the Democrats are go- going to act crazy. They always do. They can't help themselves. It's built into their system and we will have a chance to return. And, you know, you've noticed, I'm sure, that I'm not covering a lot of the back and forth about the lawsuits and the recounts and all this stuff. And I'm not saying that, you know, maybe a miracle and it'll all be true. And this, this you know, this uh, piece of computer material that canceled all of Trump's votes and all this stuff. But right now it looks like, like I said, the vote looks like I expect it. And I expect Biden to be president. And I expect us to be depressed about that. But, you know, the one thing I will say, and I say this all the time, you know, you got to have this is your life. This is your one and only life. And rather than sitting around uh, being downcast for the next four years You know, you take off, you lay down, and you bleed a while, and then you rise to fight again. And the way you do that is you pay attention for a little while, not to politics, but to the things you love. All of human joy comes from love. Everything you love gives you joy, and nothing that you don't love will give you joy. And the the more important the thing you love is, the more joy it will give you. I love doing puzzles. They give me a little joy. I love my wife. That gives me a lot of joy. I love God. That gives me fantastic, overwhelming joy. Uh, And that's the way that works. And so, you know, restore yourself, restore yourself, lay down and bleed a while, and then we will rise and we will fight again. And, you know, the the fact is there is uh, a, a sufficient amount, of good news for us to be really hopeful. I know the conservative conservatives, you know, conservatives are are naturally pessimistic, as I've as I've often said. And uh, like that, that's a kind of that trade is kind of lovable in some ways, because it means that we see how important our traditions and our and the context, the full context of our culture is. And we can always see how, if you pull one string, the entire suit is going to unravel. So you always hear people say, oh, if if that happens, if if there's gay marriage, our entire civilization will fall apart or something like this. And I always think like, well, you know, that's not really the way things usually work. Uh, Eventually civilizations fall apart, but it's usually not one screw, especially of a powerful civilization like this one. It's usually not like one nail comes out and the whole structure comes falling down. You can adjust and you can always fight. And certainly, uh, It's possible uh, that at the end of two years before we get to the midterms of the uh, Joe Biden administration, it's possible uh, all elections will now be called off and we'll be living in a communist dictatorship. More likely, not so much. That's probably not what's going to happen. And some, you know, some things are happening that I kind of approve of. First of all, there's going to be a hand recount in Georgia and people are saying, well, that's not certification of the the votes. And I understand that. But still, uh, it's important to have uh, to establish that these votes are what they are and they were counted the way they were counted. And, you know, if, if there is such deep rigging that we can't settle it by a recount, uh, it's going to take a lot more reform than you think. Uh, here is the Secretary of State, Brad Raffensperger, uh, you know, saying that he, this is something that has to be done. He's a Republican, by the way. Uh, this is cut 16.
1: We'll then move to the risk-limiting audit,
2: or RLA. At 1 p.m. today... I will make the official designation of which race will be the subject of the RLA. At that time, I will designate that the RLA will be the presidential race. With the margin being so close, it will require a full by-hand recount in
0: each county. This will help build confidence. It will be an audit, a recount, and a re all at once. So, you know, he's, he's basically saying this is the job he has to do. He says he hasn't seen evidence of widespread fraud, but you know, that this is still the job that he has to do. Kelly Loeffler, there's two, uh, there's now two runoffs in Senate races, which will decide the, the Republicans have locked 50. So it's now a 50, 50, uh, it's now a 50, 48 split. Uh, and this will dis- determine whether Republicans have a majority with which to thwart, uh, radical governance from the left. Very important. One of these races is more hopeful than the other. Kelly Loeffler uh, lost to um, lo- lost, but she had a a fellow Republican in the race, uh, Doug Collins, who took twenty percent. So without him, I think she has a really good chance of getting back in. But obviously, the left is going to pour everything they've got in there, and we've got to pour everything we've got into it. But you know, the left, when you look at this, and I'm not this is not whistling past the graveyard. This is real stuff. The left really took some hits. They took some hits in uh, California they poured so much money. You know, you always think of California as the leftist of the left states. Uh, and in some ways it is, uh, some cultural ways, certainly it is. But, you know, they poured money into the unions and Democrats uh, poured money into beating uh, Proposition 15 that would have eliminated. They've had this Proposition 13, which uh, keeps uh, property taxes uh Limited, and they've been trying to get rid of it ever since it was put in place. And Proposition Fifteen was their latest attack on it. Uh, they lost that. They lost uh, Proposition 22, uh, which was basically exempted gig workers like Uber drivers. This was this AB5 law. This is a a terrible, terrible law that the unions want to shut down Uber and shut down uh, all the gig economy. And basically, they would not allow. The voters stopped some of that from happening. Uh, They stopped the uh, attempt to get rid of uh identity politics that they they want a they want to be able to bring back quotas uh basically they want to eliminate the part of the california constitution that forbids discrimination on the basis of race and sex they want to discriminate on the basis of race and sex because they think oh yeah that'll be the good that's going to be the good bigotry we're going to have the good bigotry that went down and you know, uh, I'm, I'm not a big uh, Karl Rove fan. This is not a personal thing. I'm just not always convinced by his analysis. But he has some things that he's pointed out today. He says that 51% of Biden supporters voted more against Trump than for the Democratic candidate, while 79% of Trump's backers voted more for him than against Mr. Biden. That is a very, very important stat because it confirms what we already knew that the people who support Trump really supported him and the people who support Biden really hated Trump. So that Trump was the divisive figure here. He was the, the thing that got people's uh, people excited that's great. But a lot of people who were excited against him, not so great. But nobody is sitting around thinking, oh boy, oh boy, Joe Biden is president. Except I'm hearing from friends in England who are saying that they're just elevating him to the level of a saint, which is pretty funny. I mean, when you talk about a plaster saint, he is a plaster saint. He's actually a plaster figure. Uh, You know, and and Trump won 26 percent of non-white voters. This is a Huge deal. Uh, commentators on the left went crazy. Says Karl Rove. He said one described these voters as distracted. A New York Times columnist found it personally devastating that many blacks and gays voted for the president. And Maxine Waters threatened them. Uh, and and you know Kevin McCarthy, the minority leader in the House, uh, the Republican, obviously he he understands where this lies. This is uh, cut eighteen. You the cycle raised more money than any House Republican ever. More yes. than any of your speaker predecessors.
2: What did you learn, and how did you pull this off? Well, the best way to raise money is just let Nancy Pelosi and AOC talk. So you bring up a relatively junior member, Congresswoman Ocasio-Cortez. Why do your people respond so vociferously to her? Well, she runs the floor. Wait, what do you mean by that? That wing of the party, the socialist wing of the party,
0: they are the new power of the Democratic Party. And and I love the the question from the press, like he doesn't understand that they've been covering her as if she were Miss America. I mean, the press has been covering her as if she were the big thing. And that, and that Nancy Pelosi, you know, who may not be able to uh, win back. And I, you never count Pelosi out because she's a shark, but she may not be able to win back the Speaker of the House position. Uh, she buckled under the pressure from the left. You know, she at first was dismissing them. She was doing that thing, the Pelosi, that Pelosi routine where she says, oh, you know, they've got that Green New Deal or whatever you call it. By the end of it, she was basically in their thrall and she was pushing it forward. And after the uh, election was over, they got onto one of those, you know, calls that they have, those mass calls where the Democrat Party was, talk- was talking. And one of the moderate Democrats just went off on Pelosi saying you know you almost cost me the election uh, with your defund the police nonsense and your socialism she said I never want to hear the word socialism again and Pelosi's response was really telling Pelosi said well we held the house that is an amazing response given the fact that they were expecting truly expecting a blue wave that did not come they they're losing seats in the house they lost another one the other day yesterday uh they they are not going to lose the majority but <laughs> it was the exact opposite of the result they wanted, and the reason for that is because people did did reject them at the same rate in the same way they rejected Donald Trump. They did not like Donald Trump for his behavior. Behavior matters. I, I've been telling you about this for four years you know you guys were yelling at me for talking about it but it's a true thing behavior matters and they rejected him. but they rejected the left on their philosophy and that is something we can build on and it's important you know this is the fight goes on this is it we lie down and we bleed a while and we go rise to fight again because that's the way politics works it's the way it always works you know i've been uh, talking to the helix sleep people i'm hoping they'll rename their great mattresses to helix lying awake all night uh because some of you some who knows some of you may want a helix sleep mattress because it's so comfortable it'll help you sleep I don't have that problem since I never sleep, but it is so comfortable that it makes it easier to lie awake. What Helix does is they have this quiz that takes just two minutes to complete. It matches your body type and sleep preferences to so the perfect mattress for you. Just go to helixsleep.com and take this two-minute quiz, and they'll match you to a customized mattress that will give you the best sleep of your life. Or for those of us who really know how to live, it will give you the best lying awake of your life. Helix mattresses have a 10-year warranty. They're made right in America and you get to try it out for 100 nights risk-free. They will pick it up for free if you don't love it, but you will. Right now, Helix is offering up to $200 off all mattress orders at helixsleep.com slash Clavin. Get up to $200 off at helixsleep.com slash so you'll feel great as you're lying awake at night asking yourself, how do you, how do you spell Clavin? It is K-L-A-V-A-N. You know, the other part of this that's good that's good news for us is that AOC is not going away. You know, when Kevin McCarthy says the best thing we can do is uh, is campaign on just quote them? Is let them speak? They're not going anywhere. Alexandria Ocasio Cortez. She she said she said after the election, I may quit politics because people are not nice to me. I'm going to take my socialism and go home. She ain't going anywhere. Nobody gives up power like that, and especially a woman like that who basically is a bartender who's been ele- elevated above her station. You know, she's not she's not going back uh, out of Congress. And the the uh, state Democratic party chairman, Jay Jacobs in New York. Okay. Now this is New York. New York is, New York is, is like California, that it's a liberal state only because so many people are in New York City. Uh, A lot of, a lot of conservative areas in New York, just like there are a lot of conservative areas in California. And that accounts, by the way, for some of the vo- the results I was talking about before, that we have a lot of farmland out here. We have a lot of, you know, regular straight arrow Americans. It's just that we have this these cities which draw people in. These people are kind of disconnected from family. They're disconnected from church. They're disconnected from community. These cities attract people like that, and you get a lot of leftism. The other thing about cities, of course, is that c- cities are a place where nobody uh, takes out his own trash, you know? Uh, so you and you, nobody takes care of his own land because you don't have any land. Uh, things are done for you. The city systems take care of you. It's very uh, disconnected. It is, uh, cities are very disconnected places. You don't have the same kind of community. You don't have the same kind of responsibilities. Uh, everything is kind of done for you, and you just focus on work. That's what cities are for. They're factories for creating workers. And At at every level. And so you get a lot of lefties in cities. That's the way it works, because they think the government is doing great. The government is fine. And it doesn't occur to them that sending that power away from the city and sending it out to the federal government is a way of uh, becoming less free. It also is amazing. It is just amazing when you look at San Francisco and see what a wreck it is. Uh, When you look at San Francisco and see what a record is, the people still vote for that. The amazing amount of bad policy they will stomach to feel virtuous. So anyway, talking about New York. Uh, Jay Jacobs, who is the state Democratic Party chairman, he also serves as the Nassau County Democratic leader. That's where I grew up in Nassau County. Uh, He said he's had it with AOC and other left-wingers. He said he's had it with them lecturing Democrats who have to fight to compete and win races in purple districts in Long Island and upstate. He says AOC has no standing on how to run a general election in the suburbs and upstate. AOC is in a district that's six to one Democrat, and she couldn't find a Republican in her district with binoculars. I invite AOC to come to Long Island and stand for election in one of our districts. You will see different results. And you know, I mean, when you have AOC calling for enemies lists against Republicans, a lot, of, a lot of people, you know, I know on, on TV, we're completely divided. But in real life, we have Republican um, relatives. We have Republican friends. And and we I have Democrat friends and Democrat relatives. And I know that they're not communists. I know they're not sitting around with a bomb, hoping anarchy comes again, that those people are the far left of their party. And yes, the far left has made more incursions on the Democrat party than the far right has made on the Republican party. But we got to understand that most people are not in these uh extreme categories. So AOC, and this is also good news. AOC is calling for enemies lists, which most people I think are disgusted by. I mean, that makes most Americans gorge rise, but the press is doing it too. And this is important. You know, Sonny Hostin, who is the, one of the hosts on the view, uh, and she's not a dope. She's a lawyer. She she was okay with that. She said, Oh yeah, AOC. Great, great idea. Enemies lists is cut 20.
1: I think that Trump um, tear-gassed peaceful protesters for a photo op. Um, I think that Trump ripped children from their parents. I think that Trump called NFL players sons of bitches. I think that uh, for exercising their First Amendment rights. Um, And I think those people Mm -hmm. in his administration um, that not only drafted some of those policies, uh, but were complicit in, in those policies, shouldn't be forgotten. People like Kirsten Nielsen, people like Stephen Miller, people like Kellyanne Conway, people like uh, Vice President Pence, who uh, was woefully inadequate at, at his role of being the head of the Coronavirus Task Force, and people like Ben Carson uh, and Betsy DeVos. Um, I, I don't think that those people should uh, be able to profit from their experience uh, within the Trump administration. And I don't think that they should be forgotten.
0: Those are pretty amazing statements. Uh, You know, I mean, what would have happened if I had come out and said that, uh, you know, anybody who was associated with Barack Obama and his use of the IRS to uh, silence the opposition, his use of the FBI to investigate uh, an opposition uh, political campaign? No one, uh, including Joe Biden. Should ever be allowed to profit or make a living off this? Uh, Barack Obama has a deal, a book deal worth sixty-five million dollars. He and Michelle have that deal. Uh, you know, uh, no, none of us. I don't. I don't think any Republicans were on the phone saying he shouldn't. He shouldn't be allowed to do that. I mean, I don't believe he shouldn't be. Let him make his money. You know, like of course, as he would say, at some point you have enough money. But suddenly that's not true anymore uh, for for him personally. But you know, people are look. At, people are looking at this. You know, we always think because we're conservatives, because we're pessimistic. We always look at these things and we think because people are saying it, that means other people are convinced. But one of the things this election has shown us, and this is important, and one of the things it's shown us is that people are not convinced. They, they're not convinced by this at all. And, uh, and, and that's important. I mean, here's, here's another one from our friend uh, Chris Cuomo uh, on CNN, basically threatening Republicans. Shame on them. A wax museum is less
2: cold-blooded than these people are. And let them know they are going to lose way more than this election. This matters. What they're playing at now matters. This isn't tax, don't tax. This isn't who lies, who doesn't lie. This is what lies at the heart of our democracy, and they know it. Hillary Clinton, say what you want. She promptly conceded, even though she spanked him in the popular vote. Why? That's what our system demands. Other Democrats swiftly came to terms with Trump's victory.
0: (laughs) This guy's got to stop taking those steroids. You know, I know he's a weightlifter, but you're going to lose way more than the election. Like what? like what more than the election i mean these are the voices that are out there and they're not going away here's rashid talib one of the reasons they lose one of the reasons they lose among ordinary americans or people like rashid Talib, not just aoc it's the whole squad is doing this to him and here's what she said this is cut one
1: but i mean i was clear that me not being able to speak on behalf of uh, many of my neighbors right now many of being which of black neighbors means me being silenced and I can't mm-hmm. be silenced they didn't they didn't elect me to be quiet yeah. and I exist I'm there for a reason I ran on impeaching this president I ran on ending poverty I ran on fighting back against corporate polluters and you know overwhelmingly was elected reelected
0: and that's by the way that is something I've talked about this on the right too this is the uh, illusion of being a congressperson the illusion of being a congressperson this is what the uh the democrat in new york was saying about aoc is you're in this little district you know you're in this little place you're not a senator you're not representing an entire state you're representing a neighborhood and as we know neighborhoods people tend to flock together you know there's just a natural human trait and we live around among people who are like us and so these uh, rashid talib thinks like i you know i won by a by a landslide i was easily returned so i must be the voice of the democrat party no you're the voice of your neighborhood and she's not going away because her name that that's the neighborhood she represents and because people like sunny hostin and people like chris cuomo are going to elevate her voice and amplify her voice that's the voice the other side is going to hear. That's the voice the Republicans are going to hear. They're going to know that this, these are the people who are powering the Democrat Party. That's why, why do you think Nancy Pelosi is afraid of them? Why do you think Nancy Pelosi is afraid of the squad? She's smarter than them. She's got mo- much more experience. She's got much more power. She's afraid of them because they've got the backing of the press. That is what makes Nancy Pelosi buckle to people like these squad people, you know, and that, that is... That's the reason they have the power they have is because of the echo chamber. But what the left, I've always said this, you know, the left has tremendous power because of the press. That gives them a tremendous power. It gives them the power, for instance, for Joe Biden to try to make deals with the Chinese communists and people to actually bury that story during an election year. That's a story that would have buried a Republican during an election year, but instead the story got buried because of this massive power of the press, the people we here at The Daily Wire and elsewhere are trying to replace. That is why they have power. But it's also a disadvantage. And again, you know, I'm not whistling past the graveyard. It's a disadvantage to them to have that much power because it creates the illusion that the people are with them. And, you know, people people have their own ideas. People are, are not dumb. You know, like a, a, another great quote from Men in Black is like, people are dumb, but a person is not dumb. You go out into the Midwest, you go out all around this country, and you find people who say, you know, they don't sound like the press. They don't sound like they're all on one side. They have nuanced views. They're listening to this stuff. They're thinking enemy lists. Really? Are you kidding me? You know, I mean, Ilhan Omar is spending, sending campaign contributions uh, to her relatives and that's, that's okay. You know, that's, that's something that works in that district, in that neighborhood and neighborhoods are much easier to corrupt, but it doesn't work on the, on the bigger scale. And so we have, we have gotten a lot of voices, a lot of voice uh, we have a, a large voice in the community, more than we know, and it's only going to grow bigger as we fight back. And that's that. some of these results are very, very positive, some not so much, and I'll talk about that in a minute. But first, those of you who have let me uh, personally deliver content to your house, you may have noticed some of the gold in your house is missing. That's because I've been stealing it, and the reason I've been doing that is because the price of gold is skyrocketing. You, that's why you want to use Acre Gold. Acre lets you subscribe to gold bars for as little as $30 a month, and you pay each month, and once your gold stash reaches the price of their gold bars, they ship Acre Gold to your house. Acre lets you invest in physical gold without coming out of pocket all at once. Acre keeps you updated on your gold stash every month and ships once you reach the price threshold. With Acre, taking physical delivery of your gold means it's safe and sound and in your hands, Acre ships your gold directly and discreetly to your door. Visit getacregold.com slash and start investing in physical gold today. Make sure you go to this URL because Acre is giving away a gold bar. Not to everybody, but to qualify for the giveaway, tweet or post why you should be the recipient and mention at Get Acre. Again, that's getacregold.com slash Thank you, Acre Gold, for supporting the show. Support Acre Gold by getting yourself some gold. And you want to know how to spell Clavin? it's K-L-A-V-A-N. I'm telling you, you got to support us. It's, it's important. We have big plans for these next four years. We've already got Candace Owens signed up. Now, like I said, Candace Owens, New York Times bestselling author and founder of the Blexit Foundation, but you know Candace Owens. She's beautiful. She's smart. She's got a real way of looking at the world that is different. And she's joining The Daily Wire, where she'll be launching a brand new show with us uh, early next year, a really different show, kind of show for us, which I think is great. We've got an entertainment channel coming on the way. I hope to be a big part of that. We've got a new uh, investigative journalism team, which I'm so thrilled About. Uh, That is, I've already praised Jeremy uh, Boring, the God King, more than I ever have in his life. And I don't want to go on because he's already impossible, but uh, that's a tremendously smart decision. Building partnerships with like minded content creators like PragerU. We've got so much going on. The one thing we need is you guys. We need you to help us out. So just to show we're serious, we are offering 25% off all memberships with code election. say <laughs> ele- election over at dailywire.com slash subscribe. So use the code election. You will get 25% off all memberships. And I hope you'll go for the, for broke, go for the all access membership. So I get to talk to you during all access shows. So remember that's 25% off all memberships with code election over at dailywire.com slash subscribe. Replace the legacy media with Daily Wire. Join the fight. We need you with us. So what are some of the things I fear? Because obviously we lost. We lost the presidential election and that's going to be a real thing unless there's, uh, again, it can always be a miracle. I'm not trying to predict the future. I'm just telling you what it looks like to me on the ground right this minute. It looks to me like Joe Biden is going to be the next president of the the United States. That's a tough one. I got to swallow hard when I do it too. Uh, And there are things I fear about that. There are things that I think are legitimately uh, difficult to take on. One of them let's let's start with this because it's something we don't talk about enough. You know, America is a very insulated country. I remember when I was traveling in Afghanistan, being stuck in one of these huge uh, barracks where you're waiting for a transport plane to take you someplace. It's what soldiers do most of is wait. Uh, and I remember watching CNN and Fox for hours because I was just stuck in this place for hours. And it was a, an election year. It was all about the American election. There's no international news. Uh, and, um, you know, it's just—you uh, know—it's it, just amazing. We don't really think about it, but the international, the powers of the president when it comes to foreign policy are huge. That's where he has his most power. And so that's something that we really have to think about. I always tell the story, I became friendly with Douglas Adams shortly before he died. The guy who wrote The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. And when he first moved to America, I said, well, how are you enjoying it here? And he said, I like it. But the news blackout is hard to take, meaning he never heard any news about any country other than America. And I explained to him that this country is so big that it's uh, when we hear when New York hears from Oregon, that's like hearing another, from another country. Anyway, here is one of the, An uncannily dishonest report, an uncannily dishonest report from uh, NBC News, Richard Engel. Uh, This is the kind of report that actually bothers me more than their open stupidity, the open stupidity we get from the press, because it's subtle and it's the kind of thing a lot of people might not notice if they don't really realize how stories are constructed. So here's Richard Engel reporting on the foreign reaction to Joe Biden's election on NBC, an incredibly dishonest report.
2: Congratulations have poured in for President-elect Biden. That's normal. What's not is the sense of relief that America first isolationism is over. The mayor of Paris tweeted, welcome back America. When President Trump was elected, a German magazine showed him decapitating the Statue of Liberty. In the new edition, President-elect Biden is restoring it. So what will actually change? Engagement is back. Biden says he'll refund the W.H.O., rejoin the Paris Climate Accord, recommit to NATO and then revive the Iran deal. Who potentially loses? Israel is nervous. President Trump recognized Jerusalem as Israel's capital. Palestinians felt ignored and refused to deal with Washington. Now they hope Biden will reengage. Also nervous, the U.K.'s Boris Johnson,
0: a champion of leaving the European Union, who Biden has called a, a Trump, Trump clone. clone. So that was not a report from Europe. That was a pr- report from the European left. That's what it was. He was quoting, he says, a German magazine, as if the magazine represented Germany. It's Der Spiegel. It's a, a left-wing magazine. He also talks about the mayor of Paris, another left-wing uh, voice. He talked about uh, rejoining the Paris Accord on the same breath as rejoining the Iran deal, which was one of the most unbalanced foolish moves of the Obama administration. Obama bet the farm on the Iran deal, and I guess you know Biden is now piling cash onto little pallets so he can drop some more money into the hands of the terrorist mullahs who run that country. That that is a genuine disaster. Uh, elevating the PLO's opinion to the uh, level of Israel is absurd. Israel is a sovereign, not just a sovereign state; it is also a free state. The PLO is a terrorist organization. Unbelievably a dishonest report. And if any of that. That is true. If he is, I don't care if he joins the Paris Accord. The Paris Accord means nothing. Uh, It'll cause some legal problems. Uh, Rejoining uh, WHO, the WHO, uh, is stupid in the extreme, but the kind of typical Democrat thing. Rejoining the Iran deal is a really bad thing. That is something that's really bad. If he upsets the Middle East peace deals that uh, Trump put in place, uh, he's a buffoon. I don't think he will. I'm not sure Biden will do that. You know, I'm not convinced, but I'm worried about it. Uh, So those are a lot of things to worry about on the foreign policy scale. Obviously, the overreaction, the COVID nuttiness, the Chinese flu nuttiness, the overreaction to it. Uh, Here is Biden beating this one drum. He's been on uh, Cut 21. For the foreseeable future, a mask remains the most potent weapon against
2: the virus. We could save tens of thousands of lives if everyone would just wear a mask
0: for the next few months. A mask is not a political statement. Now, I I want to be clear about this because I I have said this before, but it's important to say I'm not against masks per se in closed uh, spaces. I think that when you go into a store and there are a lot of people around, it can be helpful. This is the flu season, and this is a very bad flu. This is a very bad version of the flu, and this is flu season. It's spiking. It's very serious. Um, A lot of the reporting on it is dishonest, but we we can expect in in November, December uh, for a flu to get worse. Before the vaccine gets out there, the Trump vaccine, as we'll call it, the Trump scene, we'll call it, uh, before that gets out there. uh, And so I'm not totally against masks. What I'm against is mandates. I'm against mandates. And, you know, really, I think an American should be free to choose between living like Trump. And I I say this as a guy who's probably uh, vulnerable to the flu. I think that saving the Clavin should be the first policy, not just of America, but really, I mean, isn't that something the whole world can agree on, save the Clavin. Isn't that something we should all be thinking about and all doing? Uh, you know, so, so it's not like I'm saying this uh, cavalierly, but I do think, it, you know, if this is the last week of my life, I want to live it more like Donald Trump, who got the flu, tore off the mask, spit in the eye of death, and, and walked forward. That's an American way to live, instead of Joe Biden, where you just saw the top of his head from his basement window, hiding away. You know, it's it's the difference between a, a choice. It's a choice. It's a way you choose to live. And is there a price for it? There is a price you pay for every choice you make. There is a price you pay for living like Joe Biden in fear, and there's a price you pay for living like Donald Trump with Boldness. You know, that's the thing. And what I want is I want to be able to make that choice. And I cannot stand the guys that he's appointing, that that Biden has appointed to this um, COVID task force of his that he's so proud of, something that I hope will be useless. One of the reasons they're going to get hysterical about the Chinese flu for a couple of weeks is because it's probably almost over. So they want to milk it for everything they've got because this, uh, vax- this Trump scene is on its way. Um, This guy Zeke Emanuel, who is Rahm Emanuel's brother, uh, who is one of the ten advisory board members, he said this. He said he's one of the guys who, uh, an architect of the Affordable Care Act, which is absolutely awful, Um, and he wants to follow in distributing the vaccine. He wants to follow the fair priority model, which calls for a fair international distribution of vaccine rather than what he and his co-authors characterized as vaccine nationalism. In other words, he wants other people, people in other countries to get the vaccine, an American vaccine before Americans get them. Um, you know, I, listen, I am completely against all kinds of violence, political violence, but if he should be tarred and feathered for saying that, you know, I would kind of say, gee, that's too bad. I mean, that's an (laughs) amazing, I'm joking, but still that's an amazing, amazing, uh, and stupid statement, and hopefully people will react with the way, but this is the same guy uh, who wrote a piece in the Atlantic about how he wanted to die at 75. This is Zeke Mouse, same guy. He wrote, doubtless, this, I love this. Doubtless death is a loss, he says, with, with this extreme genius. Doubtless death is a loss. It deprives us of experiences and milestones, of times, I can't believe I'm reading these sentences, of time spent with our spouse and children. In short, it deprives us of all the things we value. It also kills us. That's one of the things about death. But here, he says, is a simple truth that many of us seem to resist. Living too long is also a loss. It renders many of us, if not disabled, then faltering and declining, a state that may not be worse than death, but is nonetheless deprived. Obviously, the logic here is ridiculous because death is not a loss. Death is the cancellation of your life. So you are not experiencing loss. You do not experience the fact that you're parted from your children. You do not experience any of that stuff. You are simply snuffed out until the the last Trump uh, blows, which probably will be Trump blowing the last Trump. That's probably his next appointment. But but still, death is not a loss. You lose things as you get older, and that's part of the experience of getting older. And it can be a, a, an experience of wisdom. It can be an experience that teaches young people compassion. It can be a, an experience that teaches young people to care for the people who cared for them when they were little. Uh, it can be a, a, an enriching experience of life. It's part of life. And the fact that he wants to cancel that uh, at 75 for himself should make Joe Biden very nervous. Joe Biden's going to spend his presidency looking over his shoulder. Uh, because he always knows uh, that standing behind him is uh, is is this woman. Uh, what was that? It was cut uh, 10 again.
1: Before the sun
0: sets on her 16th birthday, <laughs> she shall prick her finger on the spindle of a spinning wheel and die. That's <laughs> Sleepy and Maleficent. Uh, so any minute, uh, Sleepy's got to be careful with Zeke Emanuel behind him. Uh, you know, and it, it, it's, it, it, I don't know, it's just kind of the Soylent Green uh, scenario. Another thing I worry about is immigration policy. I think, I think that uh, Trump bobbled in immigration policy during the midterms when he overplayed his hand on that, thinking that it would help him win the midterm, going back to the old playbook of build the wall, build the wall. I don't think he built enough of the wall. I don't think that he uh, changed the law. This is the thing about immigration policy that drives me nuts. If we have an idea of what should be happening, right, pass a law. This is what legislators are supposed to do. This is why we call them legislators, pass a law. So I worry that Biden's just going to open the floodgates again and let people come streaming in. It means more crime. It means more uh, illegality. It means more deception. I, I, that's something I, I truly worry about. So there are things to worry about, and I understand it. I understand that we, you know, this is not a moment when we're sitting around with party hats and blowing noisemakers. Uh, Many people are looking to these challenges with hope. But I'm looking with hope to the fact that the fight goes on and I know we can win it. I know the people are there to win it. Things that have been damaged in this country, and they've been damaged by a lot of things, but I think mostly they've been damaged by the empire of lies. Mostly they've been damaged by the academy, the press, and the entertainment industry. It's community. It's community. It's the fact that we should be living uh, responsible to one another. It's the fact that we should be living as individuals, but in community with one another. Real community, not Facebook, but real community. And those things can come back. Uh, Those are things you can rebuild. Those are things that have been severely damaged over the last, I don't know, let's call it 20 years. Uh, It's more than that. I think it's probably 50 years they have been severely damaged, but we can build those things again. Those communities are where freedom is generated from, right? We generate freedom when we have families that take care of themselves. We generate freedom when we have communities that pay attention to themselves, uh, that that help their their needy, uh, that help their dysfunctional, uh, that don't have to turn to the government for everything. This is another thing that cities do is they break up communities. Those things can be built again. And I'm not completely pessimistic about this. I think that we've got a 50-50 shot at rebuilding a kind of uh, country where freedom can thrive. And I think that this is the fight. This is the fight we're in. We will lay us down to bleed a while and then rise to fight again. That's for all of us. And uh, I'm not I wouldn't be pessimistic except for one thing, the Clavenless weekend is upon us. And once that happens, there's really no returning from that. I think there's, uh, there's wailing, gnashing of teeth. You're cast out into the exterior darkness. Very few of you will survive. But those of you who do survive can come back and find me here on Monday. I will be here. I hope you will be here as well on The Andrew Claven Show. I am Andrew Claven.
2: Joe Biden's COVID advisor wants us all to lock down for just four to six weeks to revive America. This all 241 days after we were told 15 days to slow the spread. We're getting a recount in Georgia, we're getting more ballots being counted in Arizona, and America's worst enemies around the world are parroting Democrat talking points. Check it out on The Michael Knowles Show.